to you listening in to Dose of Joy. Welcome. I'm your host, Joy Huber, and I appreciate your time. Whether you're listening for the first time today or back for another shot of inspiration and ideas, let's get started. I dedicate today's episode to Molly Brandenburg, my favorite female podcaster who co-hosts Conspiracy Theories at Parcast. You know if you've already heard the first episode, I'm really interested in history, and especially the tragedies that struck the Kennedy family repeatedly over time. My favorite male podcaster, Jeff Crudell, hosts JFK, The Enduring Secret, and Molly grabbed my attention as I listened to the conspiracy theory episodes on both Chappaquiddick and the John F. Kennedy episodes. I also appreciate the opportunities I've had to connect with Molly and be encouraged by another woman in podcasting. Molly, your support of this show coming to life is something I'm truly grateful for. Thank you. Now, it's Halloween in just two short weeks, and I confess, I'll be doing something I'm not excited about that day, prep for my first colonoscopy. I turned 45 this summer, and that is the new 50 or age to begin screening. Again, you recall I'm not a medical doctor, so you're getting the cancer patient perspective here, and you should consult with your medical doctor as they know your individual history along with family history and can determine what cancer screenings you need to have when. At a page from cancer.org, the American Cancer Society's website that I'll share on the podcast Facebook page, the American Cancer Society guideline for colorectal cancer screening is for people at average risk as follows. The COVID-19 pandemic has resulted in many elective procedures being put on hold, and this has led to a substantial decline in cancer screening. Healthcare facilities are providing cancer screening during the pandemic with many safety precautions in place. Learn how you can talk to your doctor and what steps you can take to plan, schedule, and get your regular cancer screenings in an article entitled Cancer Screening During the COVID-19 Pandemic. I'll share this article, the link from the American Cancer Society, on the Facebook page, too, this week. And just a reminder, if you're looking us up on Facebook, we're at Dose of Joy Podcast. The ACS, American Cancer Society, recommends that people at average risk of colorectal cancer start regular screening at age 45. So, in the early November episode, you'll get to hear a bit of my personal experience with my first colonoscopy November 1st. While some of these screenings aren't pleasant, they're so important to keep up on. That's why I talk about them, to remind you to think if you've done them or need to schedule them again, considering your unique health situation and medical provider's recommendations. 
I'll also share on the Facebook page a link to a blog as I've blogged for the Huffington Post in the past when they had a contributor platform. One of the popular articles I authored there was Five Tricks to Facing Cancer with Joy. I mentioned last week we'd start getting into do's you can do that I discovered with my own personal experience. A few of these we've already talked about in the first couple episodes, so I'll add more that I feature in Chapter 4 of my Cancer with Joy book, Morgan James Publishing Published. We discussed getting a second opinion and going to someone who makes you comfortable. Remember last week when I told you the word listen, unscrambled, also spells silent? How many of you knew that before? The lesson was to go to someone who makes time to listen to what you have to share by being silent. I also shared the link to the U.S. News page where this third party ranked the best hospitals for cancer in case you are searching for a spot to get a second opinion. I want to share an excerpt from my Cancer with Joy book on this do since this is really important. If you've grabbed a copy on Amazon and are following along, I'm on pages 61 to 63 here. Do get a second opinion. Go to someone who makes you comfortable. I think it is very natural to feel shock and disbelief at diagnosis. I certainly was not expecting to hear I had cancer at the young age of 33. A second opinion will definitely help give you peace of mind that there is no mistake and that two medical doctors have reached the same conclusion. Earlier, I briefly mentioned my story of the ENT, ear, nose, and throat specialist my general physician sent me to, who I could not stand. I am easygoing and friendly and get along with virtually everyone, so it was surprising to me to have this strong of a reaction. Dr. Arrogant, sidebar, that's what I'll call him here, had absolutely no bedside manner working with patients and families. My mom was with me at this appointment, and she asked a question he must have thought he already answered. Well, excuse us if we did not hear your every word because our heads were spinning just a little. Dr. Arrogant looked down at her through his glasses, way down at the tip of his nose, and said something like, Well, my second answer will be the same as my first, and acted as if he was wasting his breath repeating himself. No patience, no compassion, no more visits to Dr. Arrogant. I began asking around, and a friend of mine knew of another ENT. That was the doctor who would make a slit in the right side of my neck and remove a lymph node mass on April Fool's Day. It is your diagnosis and your body. Go to whom you want. I hit it off immediately with my oncologist, to whom I was sent to see on March 26, 2010, less than 48 hours after my diagnosis was confirmed. 
If I would not have, I definitely would have looked around for someone else. When you think about the amount of time you will spend with your doctors and how personal you have to be with them, you have to feel comfortable with them. My oncologist made me even more comfortable with him by suggesting I go to see another doctor at UNMC, University of Nebraska Medical Center in Omaha, Nebraska, to confirm the treatment plan he was prescribing. Six rounds of five different chemotherapy medicines, each spaced three weeks apart. I went to UNMC in May and again in September to see this second lymphoma specialist. All results from tests I had done, CT scans, PET scan, bone marrow aspirations, etc., would be copied to multiple doctors. I was asked where I wanted the results sent when I registered or checked in, and I just went down the list because with stage 4 cancer, I had quite a few doctors on my team. If your oncologist does not volunteer this, I would recommend you ask, who else could I go see to confirm this diagnosis and to give their opinion on our proposed treatment plan? This is where you might also choose a highly ranked hospital from the U.S. News link. Now, we've also talked about cancer.net since a don't that I did was Google. Don't do that. There's so much misinformation out there. I'll share with you what I wrote about this in Cancer with Joy on page 65. I am hoping to save you the anguish and pain I put myself through unnecessarily. Google is my friend, I thought. As a member of Generation X, I Google everything and am totally infatuated with how quickly more results than one person could possibly go through are returned to me. Knowledge is power, I have always heard. So much knowledge available upon a click must equal tremendous power. On Friday, March 12, 2010, when my general physician mentioned the word lymphoma to me as a worst-case scenario, where did I go that Friday night? I was single at this point, but it was not out on a date. I was Googling. I was freaking myself out is what I was doing. I did searches like, how quickly does lymphoma kill Something showed up that said, yes, it could if left undiagnosed and without treatment. Now, did I focus on it could or the without treatment part? No, I focused on yes, yes, it could kill. I also found this on the internet. Can Hodgkin's lymphoma kill? Answer, yes, it does. I know a lot of people that have dies from it and very few survive. The typo, dies instead of died, would probably clue you in there as to how credible this information is, but reading this will put fear into people unnecessarily. Here is the problem with both of the above. Who provided this information? What are their credentials? Where did they go to medical school? When you begin Googling questions, clicking on results, and reading whatever you find without finding out or considering the source, you are really opening yourself up to the possibility of receiving a lot of inaccurate information that could terrify you unnecessarily. 
There's good information out there, but it can take a lot of time to find it. That's why I'm dedicated to helping you as your guide to cancer who's been there to give you credible sources and specific links. Cancer.net is one of my favorites that I said I'd cite from frequently because it's doctor-approved patient information. As I told you previously, in addition to being someone who's personally survived stage 4 cancer and authored a book on it, I also have a master's degree in health communication. But I'm not a medical doctor or oncologist. So to provide you with useful information, I cite doctor-approved information. Also, Cancer.org, home of the American Cancer Society, is a terrific website. I found it could be a little overwhelming when I originally landed there, as there's so much information, and you can spend a lot of time to find what you need specifically. I'm hoping to be able to save you time by sharing those specific links on the Facebook page that you can go right to. Another do I shared in the Huffington Post article is to write all your questions down. Now I'll share from pages 67 and 68 from my Cancer with Joy book about this. You may wonder what you are supposed to do with the many, many questions swirling around in your head. You will ask these of the doctors you see during initial consultations, etc., Don't try to rely on your memory to hold all these important questions as your mind is so overwhelmed. Do log all your questions in a notebook. I was relieved to go to appointments with a comprehensive list of questions I had thought about. I fired them off at my medical professionals as they needed to keep moving with their full patient load, but would always say, what questions do you have? I could just roll down my list, make notes of their responses, and not worry that I had forgotten something. It is a terrible feeling to have your medical professional in front of you and not be able to remember your question. Inevitably, it will come to you after they have gone on to their next patient. Be prepared with a list of your questions. I would even ask the exact same question of both doctors. I got responses from both to listen for consistency or variances in their responses. This is where it is also very helpful to have your selected caregiver or someone with you at appointments. Often, I would visit with the doctor while my caregiver scribbled notes. There were appointments where both of my parents attended, and we even brought our camcorder, sidebar, you could now use the video on your phone, and asked permission to record the appointment so I could watch it again later. This was very helpful, as then I had my doctor's words, but could also see their body language and hear their tone as to how they answered my question. As I have taught for years as a professional trainer, the real meaning of communication is in so much more than just word choices. Another idea would be to ask their permission to record the appointment so at least you could hear exactly what they said and how they said it later on. And sidebar here, I'm talking about using the audio on your phone if they won't let you record video. 
One more useful resource I want to share with you this week. I have so much I want to get to, and I know your time is valuable, so we'll get to more helpful things next week. Many I've talked to over the years at events I've spoken at have said something like, I wish there was a 101 for cancer. You know how you take the 101 of a class in college to give you an overview? Thankfully, there is one I've come across, cancer101.org. When you land on the homepage, as it looks today, in the upper left corner, you'll see where do I start, which is likely what you're feeling facing cancer or supporting someone who's dealing with a diagnosis and treatment. They have tabs on navigating cancer, more questions to ask. So at this point, you have a couple great sources for questions to ask that I've pointed you towards. Partnering with your healthcare team, clinical trials, managing costs, intimacy and fertility, care partner support, a dictionary of terms, and what you need to know about COVID-19. Many of these topics could be their own separate show. Speaking to your questions, Cancer101.org gives the helpful tips to mark the questions you plan to ask in order of priority in case you run out of time. You can even make a copy of the questions you plan to ask and email them in advance or give them to the doctor or nurse during the visit. I've already talked with you about these tips, but Cancer 101 echoes my suggestions made to bring someone with you that can write down the responses to your questions or ask permission to record the answers so you can focus on communicating with your doctor. If there is something you don't understand, don't be shy and ask for clarification. I'll share links on the Facebook page this week to all of these pages so you have them for additional information. I wanted to give you an idea of what you could find at cancer101.org, so if you're driving while listening in, you can decide if you want to look up this specific site later. I also want to let you know Cancer 101 has cancer planners if you've been looking for something like that, too. As of this podcast recording, they're $24.95, which includes the shipping and handling. There's 10 chapters in this planner or roadmap to wellness, and they are 1. My Cancer 101, Where Do I Start? Personalization by Cancer Type. 2. My Navigator. Tips to Help Navigate Healthcare. Three, My Toolbox, Templates to Document Health History and Prepare for Appointments. Four, Questions to Ask My Healthcare Team, Divided by Phase in Treatment. Five, Clinical Trials, Overview of Clinical Trials as a Care Option. Six, Medicine and Symptom Tracker, Important Information, Trackers, and Tips. 7. Managing the Costs of Care. Tips to Manage Costs, Bills, and Insurance. 8. Mind, Body, and Connections. Nutrition, Mental Health, Fitness, Relationships, and More. 9. C101 Lifesavers. Support for the Care Support Partner. And 10. Resources. Additional Resources and Dictionary of Terms.
My tip is to ask your doctor or where you're going for cancer care if they have these planners, as they might have one to give you since you and your health insurance are already paying them, well, a lot of money. I saw a page for bulk orders for hospitals on the Cancer 101 page, so you might as well check there first for your planner if you're interested in one. Since I've covered a few of the tricks from my Huffington Post Halloween blog today, I'll cover the other couple remaining ones in next week's show. I'll also tell you of another Cancer Awareness Month happening this month in October. But I will post the full Huffington Post article on the Dose of Joy podcast Facebook page so you have a sneak peek so you don't have to wait. As always, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Dose of Joy. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help is by leaving a five-star review wherever you're listening in. Wishing you a joyful life. I'm gonna laugh and I'm gonna cry. The world is waiting here for me. I can do more than just survive. I wanna see how